in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, to 5, verse 11. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your own disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your household are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it speaks into our lives. God, we desire to reflect the community that is represented here. Lord, a community speaking boldly with great power, your resurrection, demonstrating great grace to one another, and walking in holiness and great fear of the Lord. We thank you that Luke doesn't shy away from difficult passages, but leaves them there for us to study, that we might learn and grow from them. Lord, you are so good. We pray, Lord, that you would apply this message to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. May it not be a man's words, but may it be yours. God, we surrender this time to you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> well, a number of uh, impressive things in this passage. It's sort of a long passage, but uh, I'll, I'll be brief with uh, my comments. Um, the, the first thing that stands out is the first sentence, really, of, of the whole text in verse 32. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. 
the full number. So I don't know if you've been with us for a little while, but the full number now is maybe upwards of 10,000 individuals that are of one heart and one soul. What amazing unity God has brought to such a huge group of people. So the question to us tonight is, is how does such a great community form? How does such a community with such oneness form? And Luke gives us a, a few things, and it's, it's really cool. And actually, in this uh, sort of lengthy passage, he says great a few times. He says that the apostles spoke with great power about the resurrection. He, he says that uh, great grace was upon all that were there. He says that great fear came upon those who saw what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. There's a demonstration of a few things that are great about this community that we can pick up on from this text. And I'm going to challenge us to do that this evening. So where did this great community come from? First of all, it came from the great power in the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus. In verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Paul says a number of times, and, and we've studied a number of times, that, that without the resurrection of Christ, our message, our faith, is futile. We ought to be pitied above all men if the resurrection is not true. And that's the very thing that these apostles are proclaiming to all that are around, that Jesus is risen, that his great power is at work among them. You can see it very clearly in the transformation of the disciples who have gone from individuals that are just trying to keep up with Jesus and figure out what he's doing to those that are boldly proclaiming and even going, as we've said earlier, to die for their faith in the Lord Christ. They're preaching boldly the resurrection of Jesus. There's a simple question that I want to ask, and I'll ask it about each of these aspects, is, is how do we respond today? What does great power look like today in our lives, in each of us? And it really simply comes down to this, our response to Jesus and what he's done in us. What does great power look like today? It looks like if you're a Christian, you've experienced the great resurrection power of Christ. You were once dead in your transgressions, unable to relate to God. And now because of Jesus, you've been resurrected to new life and can walk in union with the Father because of the Son. What a powerful work that has happened in each one of us that proclaims the name of the Lord Jesus. That great power is at work in us. So what does it look like to demonstrate it? Well, simply to follow what the apostles did. Testify to that fact. That great testimony that each of us have been given, each of us have a unique story about how we came to know that Christ is the Savior of our lives. We came to maybe a low point in our life and turned to the Lord Jesus. Maybe we're running from God and, and He got our attention and we turned to Him. We each have a story about how God had taken something that was broken and running after things of its own and turned it into something that was running after the glory of God. We have that testimony that we can declare to all of those that are around us. So what does it look like today? It simply looks like us sharing what God has done in us with those that are around us. The second thing we see about this community is that great grace 
was among them all. Verses 32 to 37 again say this, The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said anything of uh, any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and was distributed to each as any had need. What an amazing thing that uh, not only has God resurrected these individuals' lives and restored them to God the Father, he's removed their sin and given them a relationship with God, but he's also poured out upon them a great grace for one another. In fact, Christ left all glory and honor in the kingdom of heaven and came down to be among us and poured out all that he had for us. And what we see among these people is that they take that literally. They see all that God has poured out upon me is mine to pour out upon those around me. Great grace was upon this community. They didn't consider anything that was theirs as their own. They considered everything as the Lord's to be used for his glory. And that amazing statement in, uh, in verse uh, 34, there was not a needy person among them, not one among them. So what does great grace look like today? It's very similar. We hold our things lightly. We say, all that I have been given is for the Lord is for those around me that I can share with and and sacrifice for. He has given me all that I have that I might be a blessing to others. God does not give only that we might be blessed. He blesses that we might bless those around us. And that's what's demonstrated clearly in this community. A couple things that he said was that... um, there wasn't a needy person among us. So the thing we have to consider, of course, is what does it mean to be in need? And, uh, and in America, we could think, well, that means, you know, a comfortable house or a perfect, you know, like the satellite TV and all this sort of stuff. Like I got to have that so I can see uh, my team on on Sunday or Saturday or whatever. Um, But, you know, I think this was really simply talking about basic needs that were among the community, food, shelter, clothing. They were caring to make sure that there was not a needy person among them and sacrificing that there would not be a needy person among them. The fact is that this community has stepped out in faith in a, in a strong way. They're in a, 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 a community where professing the Lord Jesus as their Savior has taken away all their social structure of support. Perhaps their families have now turned their backs on them because they have profess that Jesus is Lord. So their normal structures that they would depend on are now taken away. That's what it's like to to be in need. That which you depended upon on this world was removed because of your faith in Jesus. All these that were together and uh, had one heart and soul knew this experience. They'd all left families that believed one thing to follow the Lord Christ. And many of them, as a result, found themselves in great need. 
So what does it mean to be among them is the question. It says not a needy person was found among them. It means that as, as fellow believers, we have to look out for each other. As those who place our faith in Christ, we have to care for one another, make sure that there is no need among us. Great grace upon us is uh, not only, though, on the giver, but it's also on the receiver. God has to give us great grace to those who give and to those who receive. There is a responsibility in receiving and there is a responsibility in giving. It's to give with great grace to honor the Lord Jesus, to consider nothing as our own, but everything as to be poured out for the glory of the Lord. We see a positive example of this in Barnabas in verses 36 and 37. It speaks of Barnabas as, um, as called Joseph, who became the son of, a, a son of encouragement. It says he's a, Le- a Levite and a native of Cyprus, and that he sold the field and brought all the money at the apostles, to, and laid it at the apostles' feet that it might be used for the glory of the Lord. He desired that what God had given him would bless the believers in that time. He poured it out for them. We have to pray that that great grace would fall upon us, that the sacrifice that Christ has given us, the blessings that he has given us, we would pour out for his glory. Finally, we see that great fear resulted from the situation with Ananias and Sapphira. It's very difficult to understand, but simply put, Ananias came forward and said, you know, I sold my field and this is how much I sold it for. And he was lying because he had kept back some of the proceeds of the sale for himself. Instead, he, he wanted to exalt himself and say, see, this is how much I've given. When in reality, he'd only given 50% or some percentage of what was really the proceeds. He wanted to show himself, puff himself up like, like Barnabas was, but he didn't follow through. He kept back from what the Lord had given him to give. The amazing thing in the story is that Peter says, was not the money your own when you sold it? You could have given anything that you wanted from it. It was, it was to you to decide, but instead you gave and said it was this much when it was really this much. So the question is like, okay, so he died and then his wife dies. Like, what's the big deal? Like, he still gave a lot of money to the believers. Like, what's, what's the problem here? The problem is he lied to the Holy Spirit. In the midst of a community that had greatly sacrificed that one another's needs would be fulfilled, instead he was concerned about his ego, about him being puffed up and shown as great. And the reality was that he had given very little. As a result, Ananias and Sapphira die right in front of them and they're taken out and buried. It says twice that the great fear comes upon the community. So the question is, what does great fear look like today for us? 
It's simply that our actions must be in obedience to what the God has called us to do. We can't hold back from what God has called us to do. We have to give it all to him. We can't call it something more than it is to give genuinely from our hearts to the Lord. Whether in our finances or in our uh, in the gifts God has given us, we have to give from what God has given to us. Not as Ananias and Sapphira exalting themselves somehow, but as Barnabas serving. So what is a great community look like it's it's simply this it's one marked by great power in the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus in our lives it's one marked by great grace giving out of what God has given us for those around us for those among us and finally it's great fear walking in holiness before God obeying the things that he has called us to do yielding not left or right from what he has instructed. So what I want to do is briefly make some time for us to consider each individually how can we testify with great power of the resurrection of Christ in our lives? How can we demonstrate God's great grace among us? And if there's something that God is telling you to do, how can we show that we fear the Lord and do it this week? So I just want to set aside some time. You've got, um, you've got a, a worship guide which got, has some space there. And just take a moment and, and just make a commitment with the Lord. How are you going to be used to demonstrate His great power this week? How are you going to yield to him? Take a moment and, and think through that. Write it down if something comes to mind. And
maybe testifying to his great power is sharing the gospel with your neighbors. Maybe it's sharing his love with your coworkers. Maybe it's acknowledging God for the blessings he's given you. When someone says, great job, say, the Lord is working through me, praise God. Maybe it's these things. Maybe you haven't considered how you would testify to the great power that is at work in you in Christ Jesus. Maybe it's a step of education for yourself, of maybe writing down what God has done in my life, how his power is at work in my life. So that you'll be ready to share it when the time comes. The next question is, how can you demonstrate God's great grace among the believers this week? How can you pour out the blessing God has given you to your brothers and sisters in Christ this week? What has God given you that you can give to those around you, that you can encourage them, strengthen them, provide for them as God has blessed you? Maybe it's giving to an organization that's helping the Philippines this week. Maybe it's giving of your time to help a friend. Finally, how can you grow in great fear of the Lord? Do you take his command seriously? Do you take his calling on your life seriously? Has he called you to give up something for his glory? Has he called you to do something for his glory that you aren't doing? How can we show this week that we believe our God is holy And our lives are reflecting that.
maybe for that, that comes down to you asking God. Maybe you don't know right now. Maybe this week you need to ask the Lord, what areas of my life do I need to surrender to you? What areas of, of my life am I exalting you over, exalting myself over you? Close in prayer with me. God, we desire to be a great community. Our desire is to be of one heart and of one soul. God, it's important because you said that the world will know you, by your love for one another. So God, how? How can we show our brothers and sisters in Christ here or around the world that we are with them? How can we demonstrate your great grace? And Lord, how, what is it this week that you have for each one of us, God? As we said earlier, we are all, as professors of the Lord Jesus as our Savior, we are all ministers of reconciliation. So how, Lord, can we with great power testify to your resurrection work in our lives? How can we do that this week, Lord? And finally, God, how? How can we show that we really believe you are holy and that you are the all-powerful God? And that we yield to what you've called us to do. Lord, how can we show that in our lives today? Lord, we don't want to live hypocritically like Ananias and Sapphira did. Where they said they gave so much, but really they had held back. We want to do all that you've called us to. We want to be all that you've called us to be. God, we thank you for your great mercy and love for us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. It's in his name we pray. Amen.